Jim Joyce. Look at this. Look at hey. this. What a Wednesday, man. What a Wednesday. What a Wednesday. And right right off the Euronext today, right? Were right you there the all day? Yeah, we've been we've been at, we just did a closing ceremony. So we uh, started Health Beacon started trading life as a publicly listed company this morning. Cool. So we went public on the Euronext Dublin. Ticker symbol HBCN. HBCN. Hold on. Let me call my broker. <laughs> No, <laughs> I don't. Does anybody actually use brokers these days? Anyway, HBCN. <laughs> I guess do, right, yeah, HBCN. Yeah, we're listed on the. So we're now a publicly traded company. We begin life as a publicly traded company. Exciting. I, are you, um, can you still talk last. to me? <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> I might need it more. So there's like a shot of digital. <laughs> I think it's going to be more of a requirement, not less. You know. Um, well, uh, but, honestly, yeah, again. Fun we were kind of reminiscing a couple of weeks ago, a little bit, right. Just sort of in the pre, you know, kind of the pre announcement for lack of a better term. But um, I, I think it's amazing what you and the team have accomplished. And uh, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting many of your team members. So kudos to everyone. It's, you know, hard work, dedication, persistence, love, um, yeah. some hugs. Well, they, consider, now that- they consider you uh, part of the team. They consider like, there was always like, well, Eugene could solve that for us. So Eugene comes <laughs> in and everyone knows you're, you're a mini celebrity. You walk into the Boston office. I think they prepare, you know, your coffees or Bartesians for you. Bartesians. I enjoyed the Bartesians. So uh, shout out to, to all the teams, but um, I am glad to be back here. We skipped last week. Uh, believe it or not, there right. are some people actually noticed like where the hell is the shot? Um, I have the pleasure of on separate virtual stages hosting the CB Insights Future of Health event. So uh, thanks to Julie and Mary to invite me. Uh, It was fun. Um, And what else? I'm just glad. I think we skipped two so far in our almost two. Well, I don't know. We're we're approaching like 100 episodes. I'll get the count when I'm uploading this one. I just haven't, but it's crazy. That's close. Is it close to two years up into March of next year? It will be two years, right? It was like March yeah. or April or something. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's a, so, that's a lot of episodes. I don't, I don't even remember how many hours, like we just got the celebrate your YouTube thing um, email. Uh, okay. Like thousands upon thousands of hours people watched us. That's crazy. Anyway, speaking of, um, I don't know, speaking of what, because it's not definitely crazy, even though he's a cool dude. Um, but cool let's dude invite Monica uh, Jane, um, who, you know, we'll, we'll go a little bit through his, uh, his background, you know, his background and stuff. Uh, but uh, Ankit, um, there you are. Hey, Ankit. How's it hey, going, guys? Okay. All right. I can hear you perfectly. Well, so first of all, this is welcome to the shot. And we just got done talking because officially Jim's company floated uh, on the Euronext in Dublin today. Wow. And he still made the time to, you know, for the shot. And um, I usually don't drink wine on this show, but I'm going to toast to you and to the success of the team going forward and whatever. So cheers. Congratulations. The only thing I have around is some hand sanity, so I'll take a shot of that. (laughs) Right, right, right. I have like, I don't know. Hey, it is alcohol, right? But but we're not advertising that just yet. Exactly. So yeah, we're we're gonna go to the dinner after this. So we, you know, we're gonna go to the little bit of the the broker that took us public is doing a bit of a dinner at uh, 
Guild Bones here so. in Dublin City Center afterwards. So, uh, <laughs> so I'll have a toast then to you so guys. Anyway, Ankit, <laughs> Jim, Jim, Ankit, um, Ankit, and I met uh, randomly. Speaking of the bar and digital health, I think we met at, at a bar. Somebody kind of tapped both of our shoulders. Something that you should meet at, um, at JPM, which, by the way, is apparently is not happening. I just saw four hours ago, right? Um, yeah, an announcement. Precautionary, um, I think just they made a call, right? I okay. I have to say I posted on LinkedIn, like who's going, who's not. 20% saying yes. This was before the JPM announcement. 40% said no, just Zooming. Um, and then the other 30% said, I'm just kind of waiting and watching the variants, right? That was the three options okay. I gave. Okay. So anyway, back to, um, you know, instead okay. of us talking, Ankit, um, we met four ish years ago i think at a bar and just kept in touch and uh but i'll shut up for you to introduce and give us a little bit of your journey to us and the millions of viewers and listeners that we have <laughs> amazing amazing no we met at the bar at park 55 oh wow you Francisco. Actually, i guess uh, i was more memorable to you than you were to be no, i'm kidding <laughs> exactly. well no actually to, to be fair their checks mix has been memorable to me since that night okay uh, okay so I, i've gone back there for their checks mix I, I i've not gone back since the pandemic so i, I hope yep. they still have it uh but that was the first time i kind of went to that bar uh, but yeah no it was, it was great to meet you then and i think you were still at bear uh back That's right then. i was That's i was right. at google um because I was running Google's AI venture fund, Gradient Ventures, I helped start it, uh, and getting myself, my, getting my feet a little wet in the healthcare world. I've done a, a, a fir my first few investments in that space, and uh, especially uh, a couple in the pharma world. Uh, and I think that JPM uh, really got my my brain working. Uh, more than it normally does on what does it mean to build a career in uh, in healthcare? You know, at that time as an investor, but uh, inevitably uh, became as an entrepreneur. Uh, kind of getting back to the the roots of building companies, which I've done you know a couple of times in the past. Uh, but in the you know what I've done in the past has been more on the search recommendations, big data, uh, AI realm, but never in the healthcare realm. Uh, and okay. so uh, you know what we're doing at Infinitus now is taking some of the back office operations that, that plague healthcare, especially in the U.S., uh, and and using technology to uh, automate those tedious, routine, mundane processes, so that people that work in healthcare can focus on healthcare uh, and on the the roles that require passion, empathy, and and science. Uh, rather than waiting on hold on a phone call or uh, receiving yep. a fax and then just typing up what you just received because the other party that sent it to you sent it from a computer what, too. What's a fax? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, actually, I'm just going to pause you just for a second, Ankit. Um, are we allowed to say the word plague, Jim, on this, yeah, on this show? Right? Yeah. yeah, I think we've sort of relaxed <laughs> the rules. So the whole point of this, Ankit, is that you're not supposed to say, you know, C-19 any way, shape or form. This was our safe space. And so, you know, maybe uh, pandemic, plague, now, we're just busting your chops. Bit, okay. were, were you were you actually born in Google or did you, what did you do before Google? Were you born? You yeah, look, let's you, back like, you up, so let's back up all the way. You know, I was born in a ball pit in Google. No, uh, I, I was actually born in, I grew up in India, in, in Bombay, uh, in you know, the late 80s, early 90s, uh, my dad is a technologist uh, by trade. And 
in the 90s, being a technologist in India and growing meant at some point you were made a manager, which uh, you know, a lot of people say, yes, you're now a manager. Uh, and he's too technical to want to be the kind of manager that they wanted in India at the time, which was tell people where to sit when they can take time off and get completely away from technology. It was really people management. Right. Um, yeah. And he said, uh, I need to find myself deeper into technology again. Uh, and, and that need of his brought us to Silicon Valley. So we moved to uh, the Valley in 97. Um, and, and since then, he's done three startups of his own, all in the network security space, uh, lived through a, a lot of very interesting stories. So at home, my mom was the stable breadwinner. She's on the accounting side at PwC, been there for 25 years now. And uh, my dad kept leaving jobs or, you know, startup got an acquisition and left it. Startup failed. Startup had an acquisition. And, uh, you know, every time we stayed on that's my mom's a good ratio, health insurance. It's a good <laughs> ratio. A, two out of three. That's a good ratio you just, you just described. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two, two out of three, it's, uh, it's great. And for me, there were so many lessons growing up, uh, you know, about, being a technologist, but then uh, having the the grit and courage to uh, to build companies and uh, what it means to go through a downturn when you're an entrepreneur uh, and uh, what it also means th- th- to have a partner that is supportive and how important that is in, in just kind of surviving, okay. uh, right? And I, and I don't think enough people talk about uh, that piece when we talk about just building a company. It's the role your partner plays. Well, Maureen, Maureen and I talk about it all the time. So, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> running the yeah, business like, together. <laughs> like my, my wife, Manuela, like if I don't give like you, sorry, like I have, a, I have to pay incredible homage to her, you know, similar to your father. She, you know, she always had the stable job and I was always setting up a company. So, um, yeah. but it's an important, it's important. It's, it means everything. You're right. People don't really talk about it. Eugene and I do because we're kind of open books, <laughs> but other <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, so, so after the, you know, going out of high school in the Bay Area, I ended up in another part of the Bay Area, which was at, at UC Berkeley, undergrad and grad school there in computer science and business. Uh, my mom made sure I took every accounting class there is, uh, which was uh, because she's like, you just can't just be a copy of your dad. You need to get a little bit of me and you as well. Uh, and uh, it was fascinating to me because uh, people used to make these charts of accounts and balance sheets on uh, graph paper because it had all the, the boxes. And I used to come in with an Excel spreadsheet and print it out and it looked better. And it was, it was fascinating. <laughs> Why isn't everybody just doing this? Uh, but um, after grad school, joined a startup as an engineer. Uh, we were trying to build a search engine to compete with Google, uh, a company called Cool. Uh, and uh, it was a great kind of boom and bust story. Incredible uh team, a lot of experience, the founders of, of AltaVista, the folks that built a lot of uh, early days of Google, uh, built an incredible technology team. Was that with a uh, K, by the way, or with a, no, it's, like, with a C? Uh, it's C-U-I-L. It's an Irish word, uh, which I believe means wisdom because the two founders were, uh, two out of the three founders were Irish. Um, we're going to give you an Irish, a, a Gaelic test, yeah. Jim. Yeah, because I'm trying to think because I'm, I'm based here in, in Dublin. Uh, yeah. yeah so i remember in i'm trying to think of who like what timing was that was this was 2007 2008 so we we kind of announced mm-hmm. the company i want to say july 21st 2008 okay. uh it was uh this day of epic failure uh that i don't think anybody on the team or most people in silicon valley had never really experienced uh 
we had 4,000 news articles, 400 TV spots, and something like 80 million people that tried our search engine. And it wasn't ready for prime time. Uh, and so we failed miserably. Uh, I remember the launch party, uh, the, the CEO kind of stood up and said, no other company will ever, ever fail like this again. And uh, I, I, I think a few have uh, after, but it's you know very few and in, in far in between. Uh, but by the way, Anka, yeah. I just this is some very unknown fact actually that you know, I don't think Jim, you and I have been spoken about. Um, I think this was for me I'm trying to remember what year the hell it was. But just like you were trying to build a search, um, you know, competitor to Google, this was pre Facebook. I did a whole um, summer internship. I, I thought it was in college at sixdegrees.com which was supposed to be exactly that. And Andrew Weinrich, mm-hmm. I, I think he's still like investing in an entrepreneur in New York City. But uh, right. it just brought me back for a second. Sorry to take it away from the Google days, but I- just No, no. So, so, so this was, it, it was fascinating because uh, it taught me a lot of very interesting lessons. It taught me it's okay to fail, but it's also important to take big shots, uh, right? It's, uh, it's very courageous for someone to not only- uh, take that shot, but then to talk about it publicly and, and accept failure. Uh, and, and it really spoke to the quality of the team and what it takes to build a team of that, uh, that, that is resilient to that. I think there were, you know, definitely fallout from that, but, uh, you know, it, it, for me as someone just out of grad school, it was like, people will support you if you do something like that. Uh, yeah. and, and that, kind of makes the world of entrepreneurship and VC special is because people want you to take those uh, difficult shots on goal. Um, because if it does succeed, it changes the world. Um, and, uh, but you know, the core team ended up getting Aqua hired uh, into Google where we built something called Google Play uh, and launched it and helped scale it. Uh, and so, you know, that team, the, the core seven or eight people- Wait, as in like as we... Google Play Correct. store? Okay. Correct. Wow. Uh, so we were part of the core team I don't that think I ever knew launch that. it. Yeah. And, and my journey took me uh, to kind of leading a lot of the engineering teams for Google Play, uh, the search, recommendation, storage, infrastructure, basically everything other than UI and billing for Google Play. At some point, I, uh, I helped build out. Um, but that entrepreneur bug in me that my dad had, had kind of placed um, was growing stronger and stronger, uh, especially after this kind of five-year journey across Cool and Google with that team. Did, did you say, sorry, mom, I didn't get your accounting bug? <laughs> well she said i'm glad you have the accounting uh, basics uh yes you know hopefully you don't you don't blow through money the way uh, your previous startup <laughs> did and you kind of look at your books on a, on a regular basis uh but uh but you know left to start a company in the mobile competitive intelligence space uh so we got a little piece of software and about 250 million phones so the, the experience from Android and Google and the ecosystem helped me uh, on the distribution side uh, of my of my first startup as a founder. Uh, but it was a technology breakthrough that I uh, really was going after. The thing that really annoyed me uh, was ads that were there in the mobile world in 2013. Um, every time I saw an ad on the phone, I was like, "This is just not related to me." But you know, running personalization uh, on Android. I realized how much data there was on our phones. And I was like, what if you could use that data to really improve the quality of ads? Uh, now, I, I soon realized that I'm not uh, someone that is too passionate about the ads ecosystem. Uh, and so got into the world of personalizing other people's apps instead of for Google's apps. So uh, we, we helped companies like BuzzFeed and uh, Flipkart, a lot of retail and content companies uh, do auto personalization 
and, and instantaneous personalization uh, in their apps. And in, in return, uh, we got to aggregate that data and uh, release competitive analytics for the uh, for the mobile world. Um, and then that business was growing nicely when a, a competitor uh, on the website, a company called SimilarWeb, uh, reached out and said, hey, we're building competitive analytics on the web. You're building competitive analytics on mobile what customers really want is a holistic picture of what are people doing in the digital world, uh, and that's when we uh, we sold the business to uh, the similar web uh, and helped them you know, really start making inroads on the on the mobile side. And they you know about eight months ago went public, and uh, it's you know been fun to watch that that business grow. Uh, and you, so like so, and you are only like I'm assuming like nineteen years of age by the time you achieved that. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I was uh, by this time. Uh, I, I think I was thirty because uh, I remember we the, Amazing. the, the, the Amazing. sale of the sale of Quetra to uh, to uh, similar web happened a day after my wedding, and that's the reason I know. Uh, yeah. You know when when that time period was, uh, but if you go back to the cool days, one of the founders was Anna Patterson. She stayed at Google through this whole journey. She'd actually been at Google before starting uh, Cool, and uh, she was getting itchy to get back on the startup side, uh, but more on the investing side of things. And so she was internally pitching the idea of an AI-focused venture fund, uh, and uh, she you know she and I stayed in touch. She's been a mentor uh, you know through my career and. Uh, she said, hey, Ankit, you, you know, it's been about a year and a half since you sold Quetra. Are you thinking about what's next? I'm thinking about launching a new AI venture fund for Google. Do you want to come back to Google and get on the investing side and help me launch and build a fund? And it's not every day you get to launch a fund for Google uh, and kind of learn the venture side of things. Um, I've been doing a little bit of angel investing. Uh, and so uh, it was a great opportunity to kind of go start. That's why I went back to Google and helped get gradient started and you know it's what awesome four years in and the fund is doing uh pretty well but everything is ai these days so you know the idea of an ai fund is uh, uh is fun it's kind of like there's crypto funds today i wonder how much of the world or web3 funds how much of the world will be web3 in right, right. five or ten did years you, did you like doing the venture investing did you what did you did you like about it like you obviously have to you have to say no to a lot of people like what you know there's a yeah. it's kind of a heavy analytical you obviously have an engineer and accountancy background so that kind of plays into it did you like it yeah no i i enjoyed it tremendously i learned a lot i mean the biggest and and, and you know i tell a lot of friends of mine who are between startups uh spend some time on the venture side. It's incredible to be able to hear you know, 2000 pitches in a couple of years and see how different people tell their story. Because so much yeah. of the job of an entrepreneur is telling stories. You're telling stories to investors, to customers, to employees, to your team on an ongoing basis and every other, and, you know, to the media. And uh, you know, storytelling is a critical part of a leader's job. Uh, and the best way to learn is to see people that are good and see people that aren't so good uh, at yep. it because you're able to figure out what works for you and, and everyone's storytelling style is different. Uh, so that, you know, that was one thing that I loved about venture. The second thing I loved about venture um, was the constant learning of new areas. Uh, you know, I, I invested in a, in a number of infrastructure companies, but then I invested in some companies that were doing pharma supply chain stuff and a company that was doing uh, airline routing optimization. Um, 
and uh, you know a company that is building the future, like the next generation Dell uh, from a hardware perspective, uh, but using you know AI and machine learning to be able to do that. Uh, and, and you don't get that kind of exposure uh, in a uh, in a normal environment. But the thing that was most satisfying to me, uh, Jim, if I, if I was to be completely transparent, was the relationships I was able to build with. Uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, and, and I think the best investors and best partners are able to get people to just be friends and reach out in times of stress. I think we, we live in a world where as a CEO, uh, you have to keep portraying this up into the right motion. Uh, sure, you have to sure, keep sure. talking about how things are going well. Um, and I think a lot of people mistakenly think that's exactly what you need to tell your investors as well. Uh, and yeah. If you're telling investors everything is going well, well, what are they going to do? They're going to leave you alone because they're like, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, but I think yep. the the best investors actually want to help. Uh, and people like to help when you're having issues with something. So you need to open up right. about that. And, uh, and you know, to this day, there's a number of companies and founders that I invested in three, four years ago uh, that still text me saying, hey, I want to run something by you because you've known my journey since the beginning and known me as a person yeah. since the beginning. And, uh, you know, that's a very fulfilling part of the, the journey. It's interesting because I, I think about that a lot, you know, and you, you'll hear from the venture side and obviously like, you know, all of us have been probably on kind of kind of both sides of the equation, whether inside a big company or on, on and and then you'll hear venture capitalists complain, maybe isn't the right word. They're saying, oh, you know, entrepreneurs can't just tell us everything's up and to the right. They have to tell us when they're struggling, you know, because, you know, you know, we won't believe you if you just say everything's going well. But if you really think about that, that's it, the ability to tell someone your weakness is, you know, you're making yourself vulnerable and you have to trust the person you're giving that information into. So, you know, if the venture capitalist isn't able to convince the entrepreneur that they can be trusted with information that might not be so flattering or might be there, you know, that's what's, I always think about this, like, I'll tell people I trust all my problems. I got to tell Eugene everything that's going wrong, <laughs> you know. But, and but, I try know, to close my ears and, you know. <laughs> but, you know, this, this actually brings up uh, an awesome part of the discussion, right? Um, A, the vulnerability. And I don't think entrepreneurs talk enough about being vulnerable and honest and transparent. And you know what? It's, you know, to your point, storytelling, yes. But there are moments where, like, you know, it's the, that famous cartoon that I keep mentioning. It's like, you know, F, 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 oh, yay. F, 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 oh, yay, right? But, you know, your comment on trust and VCs, I mean, trust is earned, right? And to a certain extent, it's not like you call up and say, hey, you know, I'm raising a fund now, put money in, right? It's a relationship right. building process. And the hope is that all entrepreneurs out there bring the VCs that they trust and they want to build stuff with instead of just for their capital right and and sort of mm. and that's when you tell the story yeah everything okay leave me alone and i'll figure out my own challenges which is not the relationship you want to start with i mean the the, the truth is trust isn't built overnight and i think yep. a lot of founders think about talking to vcs when they need money or when they think they're ready for money uh, and then do this kind of two to four week quick dating period, uh, which if you're looking for partners at the early stage who you can build trust with, those relationships have to be built over years, uh, which is part of the reason. And, you know, like some of the most incredible world changers have been first time entrepreneurs. But the, if you look at the statistic, the reason second time entrepreneurs on average tend to be more successful 
uh, is because a lot more decisions are made based on relationships uh, and network than they are on uh, just success or failure or how one meeting or dinner went. Um, yeah, sure. And, and with that comes a lot of trust and with that comes the ability to be vulnerable. And it's the same thing is true when you, as you build out your leadership team or your team in general, how do you make it a safe space to be vulnerable and build that trust? It doesn't happen overnight, but you have to work at it. And I don't think uh, enough people think about that partnership between an investor and the company or the founder that same way. I mean, so, I, so I, when you look at no, go ahead. Good, good. I was I was gonna try to fast fast forward us to um, what made you get into healthcare, but if there's a question, that's in exactly, that's exactly where I was gonna go. You go. Oh, look at that. We're synced up, man. We're <laughs> synced up. What was the trigger? Okay. Uh, what was the trigger? The... So, uh, trigger was my wife. Uh, you know, I, I give my uh, wife a lot of credit for opening my eyes to parts of healthcare that I had no idea about. So, uh, 2018, Google I/O. Uh, Sundar, the CEO, got on stage and demoed something called Google Duplex, which was making phone calls uh, to salons and restaurants to make reservations. Uh, and you know, yeah. I, I, it, it was it went viral. And I, you know, I came home uh, and I was like, Shelby, you have to see this demo. Uh, I showed it to her, and I was like, there's speech to text with NLP with text to speech, all in 500 milliseconds. It's incredible, uh, right? And, and you guys can probably uh, see my excitement as I say that. And then she goes, Uh huh. That's really cool. I don't know what those things mean, but if someone brought this to healthcare, it would change healthcare. And I said, What do you mean? She's like, Well, everybody's calling everybody else. I'm like, What do you mean? She's like, Well. The healthcare back office is just people calling each other. And she gave me a couple of examples and she used words like prior authorization and benefit verification and claims. Ooh. And I was like, what do these words mean? I have no idea. I, obviously, that was not a turn on for you, those words. <laughs> well, uh, those words to me were like natural language pro uh, processing to her, yep. uh, right? Like right. completely different. But as a VC, my job was to do diligence. And so I, I created a make-believe company in my mind. And I started calling people that I would... Uh, view as potential customers, or actually before that, I called about 150 doctor's office, physical therapists, walked into every pharmacy in the area and just talked to the front office staff member and said, are you on the phone? What kind of calls do you make? And, you know, those words of prior authorization and benefit verification just kept, or the scheduling just kept coming over and over again. Uh, right. And, you know, I remember the Walgreens that's here on 4th and King in San Francisco, uh, 4th and Townsend, the person was like, yeah, we spend probably 20% of our time. These are pharmacy and pharmacy technicians, pharmacists and pharmacy technicians just on the phone. Uh, and I was like, this is crazy. These people are getting paid probably top dollar in San Francisco, even, you know, top dollar in other cities to wait on hold, that sounds crazy. Right. Uh, and th that was kind of the trigger to say, um, you know, something should be done. And, you know, I, I had my co-founder, Sham, he and I went to middle school and high school together, did our last company together. So it was a natural, you know, weekly catch up in life. And I was like, hey, there's this huge problem that I think there is in healthcare, uh, but we need to build something that is akin to Google Duplex, but can make really complicated phone calls. Because as I started digging in, uh, wow. you know, one of these prior authorization phone calls can be 45 minutes long, not a two minute long conversation. Um, and it has a lot of idiosyncrasies, lots of nuances, because every therapeutic area is different. And uh, you know, right. I can go on about that. And he's like, 
we can build a technology. Let's find the business. And we started calling companies that uh, would be potential purchasers of this. And everyone said, well, if you have a company and a, a product like this, we'll buy it. Because you know, one company was like, I've got 4,000 people that are just making these calls eight <laughs> hours a day. Uh, so, and they much rather be spending, and we need 4,000 more people to be talking to patients. And so the goal wasn't to displace roles with yep. technology. It was to have more time to talk to patients. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been phenomenal to watch this kind of go from a seed to a, a tiny little plant and, and start growing. And the pandemic in many ways, uh, was a, uh, was a light under a lot of people, it was a fire under a lot of people because we suddenly got into a world of huge labor shortages uh, right. and back office delays cause yep. delays in therapy and they cause increase in healthcare spend because, well, if people yeah. aren't getting on th therapy or not adherent, well, the downstream impact of that is crazy. And so uh, being able to use technology to do things that you don't have humans to do is, uh, is so almost more important than uh, things that technology can do better than humans. So, so fundamentally, and in, in where are you, um, you know, where are you right now? Your, is your technology live? Is it being deployed, you know, in decent sized systems? I was yeah, going to so, look for the, for the video. Um, we'll maybe you'll comment later when I post this on yeah. it with the video, because I, I was blown away. I did this uh, actually uh, health, um, yeah. HLTH, you put a VR set on me and I kind of watched the whole thing. So we'll link to it <clears throat> on, oh, on the awesome. post. I, I, it blew me away. Yeah, it's, uh, we went live about two years ago. Uh, okay. You know, we started doing the first calls about two years ago. So it took us about eight months to build the first prototype. And we've, of course, grown since. Uh, we've made calls on behalf of about 35,000 providers around the country at this point wow. uh, and, and growing pretty quickly. Also working with uh, some very large uh, players like Amerisos Bergen and uh, Trial Card and a few others. Uh, and, and just starting to figure out how do we standardize how some of these calls are done? How do we uh, drive efficiencies, not just on the behalf of those that are making the calls, right? So today we make those outbound calls. And so we want to standardize it so it's easier to automate. But if we standardize it, we can also go to the folks receiving the calls and say, well, we're making so many calls and our machines are talking to your humans. If you have some of this data available digitally, we can integrate it and reduce how much time you spend answering these calls. Because so, right. our goal here is really to drive that interoperability so that we can get rid of the phone calls. If, if we succeed as a company, right. it's, it's like not double, just in- It's like double dipping on the revenues, right? Because you sort of automate <laughs> one side and then you come to the other side and say, well, we've just automated the hell out of this one. Do right. you want to sign up, right? So it's double right. dipping yeah, on, and, well, on it. It's, it's, like a, it's like a robot. It's like a robot being driven in a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a really, really fun analogy. I, I think it's a, uh, that, that's a really fun analogy. In, in my mind, hopefully in a, in, a, in a few years, we can start saying we don't even need phone calls anymore because if you've got two machines, they shouldn't talk in English. They should be talking in bits and bytes. And that's, that's the future that we want to build. Like, yeah, exactly. That's amazing. That's amazing. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, um, to see the VR, um, to see the, the example. Uh, that's, that's phenomenal. And also, I also think one of the things like, you know, one of the knock-ons effect as you go into healthcare, I can't think of anything more soul crushing than being on hold. <laughs> so, so I think like, like knock-on effect, I mean, like everyone, like, you know, my wife was just trying to get our dog 
you know, you know, through Lufthansa, you know, to fly from Dublin to Italy and like the amount of pain and she's in pain and probably the person receiving is in pain as she's trying to get the dog cert, you know, and then she's making, she's putting us into pain in the house because she's complaining about it. So the health impact was huge in our, the Joyce house. And, and actually the mental health impact, right? Because we talk about caregivers, right? And ability for right. caregivers to make phone calls on the behalf of the patients. And that's even more frustrating as you're watching you know, uh, your loved one, and you're just trying to navigate, how do you uh, get an x-ray approved or whatever it is? My, my question, because I had the beautiful part of, of actually watching that demo, um, you know, I, where I was kind of a little bit of the skeptic, and, I, and I'm going to sort of place that question on, you know, if I'm a customer service representative on one side, and I get this phone call, and there's this like Siri-like or, uh, or yeah. you know, an automated robotic voice asking me questions, Am I like weirded out um, or am I kind of like happy that I'm not talking to a live person and I can just <laughs> answer the questions that deal with, uh, with the, another right. person? So yeah. I'm curious what you're finding. Yes. Yeah, so, so at the end of every call that we do, 95% of calls that we do, we ask the question, how was your experience chatting with me? Uh, the machine asks that to the human and overwhelmingly people say, it was incredible. It was efficient. Uh, a couple of people said, I'm just glad you're not yelling at me. Uh, right. Like, just think about the frustration of the person calling. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, many people say it was okay. It was good. Um, but it, it, it's one of those things where uh, the first few times I think it was weird for folks. Uh, and a lot of the payers, when we call them, uh, initially were like, well, should we talk to a machine? How do we know it's not a scammer? And right. uh, it took a simple conversation of saying, well, how do you know? James who calls in is not a scammer. Well, they're like, right. we ask three questions to do a HIPAA validation. Like you should ask the same questions of the machine. And if the machine yeah. can answer it, well, then it's as legitimate as a person calling in. And they're like, that, yeah. I guess that makes sense. Uh, so it's, it tends to be more efficient. It doesn't ask repetitive questions. It's very clear. Uh, it, and, and more, one of the things that we've had to build, uh, which is, which has been very fulfilling uh, is the ability to do real time, uh, checks on whether the machine thinks the agent is giving the right information. And if not, push back and say, can you check this for me? Because it doesn't seem right because of all the pattern matching wow. uh, that the machine does. Uh, the, the folks receiving the calls love it because their QA teams are like, hey, you're doing real-time QA for us. So we don't have to call back and fix inf misinformation that we gave. Uh, so even when we have new agents, uh, they're performing well because your, your machine is making sure they're doing well. So there's a lot of things that are different. You know, you have to get used to it. Uh, but overall, I think it's been very well received. Awesome. Uh, listen, awesome. And we want to keep uh, digging deeper, but I think I'm going to have to do this over WhatsApp call. Um, <laughs> what, uh, because we, you and I stand between Jim and his team celebration um, of <laughs> going public and, and watching HBCN is the is the ticker. Everybody check it out. <laughs> awesome. <Yeah. laughs> um, so, Jim, why don't you do your uh, famous uh, question of the uh, of the show? Yeah. So, on it, picture your, it's going to be tough. Picture yourself. Yeah. <laughs> picture yourself as a you know a wise you know you know kind of aged, very successful veteran giving advice to a to a young engineering accountancy student that has moved from Bombay to the, you know, kind of a little loss in the Silicon Valley area and had some exposure and internships through world famous technology companies. And he's starting up, he's come up with this phenomenal idea to put, you know, 
you know, robots into Teslas and deliver <laughs> them to do clinical appointments in the home setting or something as visionary as that. What advice would you give that on young entrepreneur? You know, uh, I think everyone gives advice of the sort, uh, just be gritty, don't be afraid of failure and, you know, just go after your dreams, be passionate, work hard. Uh, but the one piece of advice that uh, one of my mentors at, at Google gave me, a gentleman by the name of James Colaturos, uh, he's, he's been there for a long time. When I met him uh, as, a, as a 25-year-old over lunch, he was very kind to meet me for lunch then. He was like, Ankit, you have a lot of energy. You're going fast. Keep that going. But remember, it takes one year to get one year's experience learn from that. And I think wow. uh, sometimes kind of stepping back and, you know, just saying that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to have successes. Uh, but some things uh, just come with time. Uh, you know, a business grows, you know, like in healthcare, especially, um, you know, you have to have patience. It, the world isn't going to change right away. Uh, everyone means well, but we also don't want to risk everybody's lives. Uh, and so it's okay for some things to take line, uh, take some time. Um, and that's part of the journey and you should enjoy that. That was a wonderful, wonderful advice. So thank you for making the time. Jim, enjoy the evening with the team. Well-deserved. Um, Congratulations. Ankit, I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Thank yeah, you. Ankit, absolute pleasure. Good luck with everything. Thanks for the advice. I love this though. Time time takes time. Like I love it. Great words of wisdom. Uh, so you, best of luck. You know, Jim's, Jim's dinner speech is going to include that somehow <laughs> tonight. <laughs> Congrats on all your success. I can't wait to um, be a beneficiary of your world-changing technology. Thanks yeah. so much. All right. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Bye.